Hello, people of the way. Um, today is Communion Sunday, and uh, a little uh, uh, something I have to say too is I know that there, you know, in the event there's some uh, folks who don't regularly regularly come uh, to our uh, in-person gatherings uh, pre-coronavirus. Um, go to the church website and just request, just say, Hey, uh, send me the, uh, some communion, uh, communion elements, and, uh, we'll be sure to, to mail those to you right away. Uh, but today is, uh, uh we're going to have a communion message and it's, uh, a, it's tradition. I say this as a former Catholic and I, I don't like saying the word tradition in the traditional sense. But um, it's very holy, this, what we're doing on Communion Sundays. And, you know, it's so cool how the Lord teaches us that, you know, even though that we're apart, you know, as, as a church body, we're in our separate locations, separate locales. You know, the Lord teaches us that where two or more are gathered in my name, that he's there. You know, he's with us. And so, you know, it doesn't matter wherever you are, you know, the Lord is always with you. You know, always keep that in mind because, you know, don't don't lose heart because it's very easy to lose heart. You know, we're we're kind of isolated right now. And, uh, you know, kind of uh, corporately as 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 a church body, we're independent and we're we're separated at the same time. And then uh, individually, too, you know, there's this this moment of isolationism. But, you know, that's what's so beautiful about intimacy with the Lord having oneness with him because, you know, like from the outside, you know, you look like you're alone, uh, but in your heart of hearts, in your mind, it's like, wow, you know, you're, you have intimacy with the Lord. And so we're going to continue in our, in our, uh, our normal study, you know, most of the time for, for the most part, whenever we have communion Sundays, we're here in, uh, uh, first Corinthians 11 in this, uh, beautiful passage that, that Paul has for the church in Corinth. And, you know, I have to say too, normally on communion Sundays, we have a, we worship, you know, we have the message and then we worship and uh, sing song unto the Lord. It's a moment of self-reflection, a moment of, of uh, introspection. And if there's any uh, um, sin, if there's any carnality that you need to repent of, repent of that. These are things that uh, we repent of when our, when our normal church bodies, we repent during our gatherings in, 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 in song unto the Lord. Uh, but, you know, here on a recording, you know, before we partake of the elements, just hit pause. You know, it's kind of a little bit more uh, user friendly in that regard. Just hit pause. And then, uh, you know, if you have to repent, repent. If you have to apologize to a spouse or, you know, if you have to do any kind of apologizing, just say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. Uh um, you know, and just make things right, you know, get right with the Lord, get right with your, uh, spouse, get right with, uh, maybe even the little ones, get right with, uh, family members, get right, just get right, be right before the Lord, you know, have a pure heart before the Lord. And it's something we do. It's, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we do. And so here we are, we're going to start in first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. <clears throat> And this is what Brother Paul says. You remember, Paul is speaking to a, a very carnal church. You, you start to read the first several chapters of 1 Corinthians. Very, very, very carnal. A lot of, uh, not a lot of dead people. And I mean that metaphysically speaking, you know, where, you know, we carry our cross, we're alive, you know, we're kind of like dead men walking and dead women walking. 
because it's like you're dead to self, but alive in Christ, carrying your cross. But then you see the uh, Christians, you see the church in Corinth, and they're not dead. A lot of carnality, a lot of the former lusts, a lot of the former passions, and uh, Paul calls them on it. And he says, you guys, your rejoicing isn't good. It's not a good thing. And so he calls them to repent. And so I love this so much because the church in Corinth, the first Corinthians, it's a totally different church than it is in second Corinthians. Second Corinthians, it's a church that has repented. They kind of like Moses, you know, in our study on Wednesday, you know, he comes down from the mountain, sees the golden calf, you know, and then he, you know, the, he goes back up to the mountain. He comes back down and you see like a different Israel, a repentant Israel. You know, they had tasted of their of their sin. They had tasted of their, literally tasted of the, the bitterness of the golden calf when uh, it was broken down. And Moses says, hey, you guys need to drink this. Drink it and taste of the bitterness. And that's what you see the same time in, in, in this church in Corinth. It's kind of like the church, you know, has a, a golden calf, a lot of carnal passions. And then, you know, Paul finds out about it, writes him a letter. And says, hey, you guys, this isn't good. You need to repent and get right before the Lord. And then 2 Corinthians, you see a different church. The same way you see a different Israel in our study on Wednesdays. You know, and that's the beauty of, not the beauty of sin. I have to, you know, be very hardcore in mentioning that. You know, not the beauty of sin. It's the beauty of the aftermath of sin to the repentant heart. You know, it's like how the sin nature separates us from the Lord. But then at the same time, you fall on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. I blew it. I made a mess out of whatever. And then all of a sudden, it's like your heart is in a very beautiful state of humility. And it's like the it's like soft clay in the hands of the Lord. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, the Lord can start. The Holy Spirit can start working and shaping you and molding you again. Pride and selfishness prevents these things, and that's the hard heart. That's what you don't want to be. None of us want to be a hard-hearted person. And this is what Paul says in verse 23 in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. You know, it's kind of interesting, too, because we had our study last Sunday about Paul. Um, you know, before he had his name changed, and he was Saul. But how Saul, he says, you know, I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood. He wanted, he goes directly to the source. He goes directly to the source and the Lord teaches him. The Lord shows him these things. He's revealed to him that, you know, when we studied that last week, the word was apocalypto, which is like the revealing of Jesus Christ. You know, we have the apocalypsis, which is the book of Revelation. And the revealing of Jesus Christ when every eye will see him riding on the cloud with day that is coming. But then at the same time, what about the apocalypto that happens inside of your heart? Inside of your heart was like, wow, you know, the Lord is revealed in my heart. I receive him. I believe in him. I've fallen in love with him. And then all of a sudden he teaches you, he shows you these new things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. I love it because, you know, just like Moses had intimacy, you know, he receives the blueprints as we studied in Exodus 25 uh, through 31. He receives the blueprints. He comes down from the mountain, sees the golden calf and deals with Israel. 
in, in righteous indignation, he deals with Israel. And then at the same time, he goes back up to, up to the mountain, receives the tablets again, the, the, the Ten Commandments. But this time, the third time he receives the Ten Commandments, remember three times the Ten Commandments were given. The first time was, you know, a verbally spoken word. The second time were the two tablets that were destroyed with the golden calf. And then the third time, Moses comes down from the mountain again, and the Lord had given him uh, uh, the, the law. But this time, the third time, it's intermixed. It has the additive of sacrifice, blood sacrifice. Remember our study when the Lord was like, I'm not going with you guys. You go into the, the land that I promised you of milk and honey, but I'm not going to be with you guys because if I'm with you guys, I'm going to kill you guys. I, you know, not like that. He just said, I'm not going to be with you. Well, he did kind of say it like that because of sin. You guys are so carnal. And, you know, if I'm with you, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to end up killing you guys. Because remember, the wages of sin is death. And then Moses intercedes. He pleads for the people. Oh, Lord, you know, be with us. You know, if these people are, can't be with you, then take my name and blot it out of your book. Take my name out of your book of life on account for these people. That's what's so beautiful about Moses. The intercession of Moses. You see, Paul says the same thing. He says, man, I wish my people would just love you, Lord, and see these things. He says, I would deny myself, deny my, my, my uh, citizenship in heaven for their sake. Total, complete and total denial of self. And it's so beautiful because what happens in the aftermath of sin, sin that has been atoned for and covered by blood. And so just like Moses has his intimacy with the Lord, he received the blueprints from the Lord. And then, you know, when the, when Moses comes down from the mountain, the, the, uh, the, the second time, you know, the people of Israel, they're like, wow, you know, we believe. It's so cool because, you know, he was gone 40 days and 40 nights the first time. They thought, oh, he's dead. Then they had the golden calf. But then the second time, 40 days and 40 nights, Moses came down and they were waiting on him. They were like, what did the Lord reveal to you? A different Israel. Complete and total different Israel. That's what I mean when I say the beauty of the aftermath of sin. I mean, have you ever committed a sin or known somebody to commit a sin? And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, never again. I'm not toying with that stuff anymore. I'm not going to be a crackhead anymore. I'm not going to be a sex addict anymore. I'm not going to be on meth anymore. I'm not going to beat on my wife anymore. I'm not going to do these things anymore because I've tasted of those things. It's so beautiful when you hear these testimonies. Not beautiful in terms of, wow, look how cool these people are, but beautiful in terms of, wow, look at the power of our Lord. Look at the power of our Lord. Old Testament, New Testament, and today. And so Paul, you know, he received from the Lord, like he says in verse 23, I received from the Lord. And then look what he says here, like the blueprints that he received, just like Moses, which I also delivered to you. You know, from Jesus to Paul, from Paul to the people, and then the people to God. That's the same model that we have. 
When the Lord, you have intimacy with the Lord and the Lord gives you blueprints, he'll give you a set of blueprints for yourself first. The question is, are you going to follow those blueprints? Being obedient to him and applying his word in your life. And remember, he's the one doing the construction, just like we had our study on Wednesday. The Holy Spirit building new things inside of your heart. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, you know, you're obedient to the Lord. And then the Lord says, you know what? This is a vessel that I'm going to use. This is a vessel, a person, a female, male that I can use. And I'm going to send them out now, just like he did with Philip in our study a couple weeks ago with Philip. Remember, Philip was like, you know, the, the disciples of the apostles. They says, you know, it's not desirable that we should leave the word and serve at table. So choose from among you seven men. And not just seven regular guys, seven men that had a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. And so one of these seven men was Stephen. He got killed. Another one of these seven men was a guy by the name of Philip. Now, Philip was used mightily when the Lord says, okay, directing his steps, I want you to go south. I want you to go here. And the church blew up wherever he went. He was the one guy. One guy, how revival happened with just one. And then we see what happened with the eunuch too. Now the Lord tapped on his heart again and says, hey, Philip, I have another assignment for you. I want you to go south, you know, and you know, you, you see the uh, divine uh, uh, appointment that the Lord had set up. God says to the angel, hey, angel, go and talk to Philip. The angel in obedience goes and talks to Philip. Philip in obedience says, okay, and goes and, and, and follows the Lord, the direction of the Lord. You see how he works? The question is, who are the ones who have ears to hear? And you have these mockers of the last days, mockers of the current days, who say, oh, that, that the Holy Spirit doesn't move like that. That's just for 10, that tw that, not 10 years ago. That's just for tw 2,000 years ago. How are these people going to know when to turn left, when to turn right, when to stop? You know, when to move, when the Holy Spirit wants to direct our steps. How are these people going to know? And it's so powerful because it's like, you know, Paul has his intimacy with the Lord and he gives to the people now. And then the people can have their intimacy with the Lord. That's how the Lord works. It's not, you know, we don't have intimacy with the Lord so we can be awesome. Like, wow, look how awesome I am. You know, I'm a Christian elitist. No, it doesn't work that way. To be meek, humble. And then all of a sudden we tell people, we share the good news, we share Jesus Christ. Just like the Lord did with Philip. And so look at here, he says in verse 23, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. You know, it's very interesting because it's, you know, the Palm Sunday. It kills me, kills me, kills me, kills me to think of, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus Christ riding on a donkey. 
Hosanna, Hosanna, the king is here, the king is here. And less than a week later, less than a week, it's like, you know, four days, three days. Crucify him. Crucify him. What a change of heart. What a change of heart. You know, be steadfast in your faith. Steadfast, no matter what. A lot of times people are like, Hosanna, save now. Jesus, you know, I need help right now. My finances are terrible. I need help right now. And then all of a sudden the Lord provides for them. The Lord gives them help with finances. And they're taking some of the finances and they're buying their meth. They're buying their crack from, you know, Chiapas, Mexico. They're getting their cocaine. They're going to the strip club. They're buying their marijuana. No, you know, be faithful in all things. Apply the blueprints, the word of God in your heart, in your life. Allow the Lord to do his work in your heart and in your mind and do the transformation. And then all of a sudden, the Lord will give you another set of blueprints. Where he says, you know what? I have a job for you to do. I want you to do this for me. And you'll hear his voice. You'll confirm it in his word. You'll test the spirits to know whether it's of the Lord or not. Just like you see in the book of Acts. But, nah, that was just for 2,000 years ago. You see how these mockers are dangerous? At a time when the Lord directs our steps, you know, but at a time when in the last days it's even more treacherous to be a Christian. More dangerous. These mockers. And so look what happens here. That on that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed in the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is a very holy passage that we, you know, we studied this in the book of Matthew. But they're in the upper room. Remember, uh, they were going to prepare a meal. And they asked the Lord, Lord, you know, we're going to, it's Passover. You know, where, where are we going to prepare the meal? You know, and the Lord tells them, you know, he gives them specific directions. Go here to the house of a certain man. And, you know, this guy's going to open up his house and he's going to have a stay in the upper room. So they go, they prepare the food and then they meet up in there. And this is an event that happens in the upper room. Intimacy with the Lord. Intimacy. You know, individual intimacy with the Lord is beautiful, just like Moses and the Lord, just like Paul and the Lord. But then you have corporate intimacy, a small group of believers, you know, the disciples, they're following Jesus Christ. He's teaching them. He's pouring into them. And you have that corporate intimacy. You see how beautiful this is? Oneness. 
and this events that happen in the upper room. And then he tells, he looks to Judas. He says, what you must do, go do it. You know, somebody's here, he's going to betray me. All the disciples were like freaking out, like what? Like, who's going to betray you? You know, I'm never going to betray you. And the Lord tells Peter, you know, before the rooster crows, you're going to de deny me three times. It's kind of interesting because, you know, in one sense, you could look at it and be like, wow, you know, yeah, Judas betrayed him. But don't forget, Jesus Christ, it dwindled to zero followers. You know, they all scattered. Thus fulfilling prophecy. How all the sheep scatter. But what's so beautiful about our study in the book of Acts is when Jesus Christ rose again and he commissions the disciples. They become apostles. And he gives them the commandment of the great commission. Go and share the good news. Go and make disciples. And then you see the church just blow up in the power of the Holy Spirit. But don't forget, this is a new covenant. The cup is the new covenant in the blood of our Lord, just as he teaches us. And we do this. He says in verse 25, do it. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's what I mean when I say it's a church tradition. I hate the word tradition because of as a former Catholic, I get Triggered, I'm a, I'll be a little snowflake. Like, I'll be a little millennial. I get triggered when I hear the word tradition. But then at the same time, you know, you see tradition in accordance with the word of God. And it is beautiful. So incredibly beautiful. Because these elements that we partake of, we do it in remembrance of him. And this is what Paul says in verse 26. And this is a verse that we can find great comfort in. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. Remember, Revelation, it's the apocalypsis. The revealing of Jesus Christ when he comes riding on the clouds. He comes riding on the clouds. You know, it's a sure thing. All these people are so, you know, uh, um, they're caught up in fear. There's going to be a lot of fear in the last days. In the natural sense, I completely understand it. In the natural sense, I don't. I, I not only understand it, but it can also become something to advocate for. Because what other options are there when all these things are befalling the earth? And I say that in the carnal sense. In the spiritual sense, be of good cheer. They're like birth pains. Birth pains. Look at a mother holding a beautiful, fresh baby. 
You know, it's like, wow, it's so beautiful. But then at the same time, you look, you know, five hours before that, the, the first moment you get to hold your baby, you look five hours before that, and there's like screaming, pain. That's what the world is going to go through. Birth pains. Remember, the promise is there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What does that mean? For the new earth to come into existence, the old has to fade away. And the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us it's birth pains. Birth pains. The Christian can see these things. The Christian can know these things. The Christian can understand the times and find great comfort. Even, even jubilance. Even giddiness. Knowing that, wow, our king is coming. Our king is coming. That's what I mean when I say we can find great comfort in this verse. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. He's coming. Remember, the tomb is empty. You could go to the tomb today. It's empty. You won't find any bones. You won't find any whatever. It's, it's empty. I remember when Jesus Christ was ascending and he ascends. I think it's kind of funny. He ascends, you know, and all the disciples, they're like, like astonished. They're amazed. And then the angels show up and they're like, hey guys, why, why, why are you astonished? Like, why, are you, why are you so amazed at this turn of events? This same Jesus who you see rising up is going to descend again one day. Kind of, you know, the angels come to reassure the disciples of the promises that they had already received. You know, and it's like, wow, you know, like us, you know, we can be astonished at certain things. We can be almost even, dare I say, frightful at certain things. And I wonder what the message of the Lord is. I wonder what the spirit of the Lord says. I wonder what an angel of the Lord would say, like, why, why, are, you, why are you freaking out? Why, why does, why does your heart tremble? Don't you remember how the word said these things would happen? Don't you remember how the Lord taught these turn of events? And it's like, oh yeah, I remember now. And then instead of, you know, this position of fear, anxiety, depression, it's like, oh, you know what? My king is coming. The Lord is returning. That's how he works. There's going to be a lot of death in the last days. And a lot of people who had placed hope in their sex, their drugs, their alcohol, you know, Eastern mysticism. They turned to Buddha. They turned to the Virgin Mary. They turned to their Vatican councils. They turned to the Hindu Vedas. They turned to, you know, Muhammad. They turned to all kinds of different things. 
they light their incense, you know, and they put food out for, you know, Buddha or whatever God they serve. Those gods can't save. Those gods can't save at all. And then all of a sudden they're going to look for hope. They're not going to find hope in Buddha, in Virgin Mary, in their meth, in their crack. They're not going to find hope. Who are the messengers of the last days? Who are the ones who will bring, bring glad tidings, the message of good news? The ones who have immensely beautiful feet. Blessed are the feet of those who bring glad tidings and good news. And so look what happens here in verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's a heavy verse. I have to say this too. You know, I say this when we have our uh, corporate, you know, studies in person, our Bible studies and communion Sundays. But if there's a soul that's listening that isn't part of our regular church body, number one, you know, go to the church website and just say, hey, you know, send me the elements. And, you know, we will. But if you're playing games with the Lord, for anybody who hears this message, if you're playing games with the Lord, don't partake of the elements. You know, if you're like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, you go to church on Sunday or you're like, yeah, look how awesome I am. I'm listening to a message. Look how holy I am. I'm listening to a message. It's the wrong heart to have. It's to feed upon the truth of God's holy word. You know, a lot of people, though, they're like, wow, you know, I'm in my Bible. They close the Bible and they're like, wow, I'm right back to my crack. It doesn't work that way. That's called playing games with the Lord. That's called being lukewarm. And the Lord doesn't like that. That's what it means to, you know, an unworthy manner. It's like, wow, what does it mean to be in an unworthy manner? Well, what is your heart before the Lord? What is your heart like before the Lord? Remember we had our study a couple Sundays ago about Simon, how the Holy Spirit was, was, was baptized, it was falling upon people, except he bypassed one person, Simon, in Acts chapter eight. And Peter comes in and he says, you know, Simon, your heart isn't right before the Lord. He says, repent. He was bitter. Simon was bitter. And the Holy Spirit will fall upon anybody. But he, you know, the Lord tests the heart. He knows the heart. He knows the mind. Anybody can, you know, you, you can fake it with man anytime. Piece of cake. But you can't do it with the Lord. Impossible with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit still bypasses today. Oh, that was for 2,000 years ago. You know, the Lord can't work that way. The Holy Spirit doesn't work that way anymore. Mockers. Mockers. 
And so you think like, oh man, you know, I'm unworthy. This unworthy man, like I haven't been living right before the Lord. You know what I say? I say praise the Lord that you recognize that. Praise the Lord that you recognize that. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. And there's step two. It's not just praise the Lord that you recognize that, period, comma. Then there's step two. It's called repentance. Wow, Lord, I blew it. Lord, I have been unworthy. And Lord, I give it to you. I repent of these things. You know, take this pain, take this hurt, take this sorrow, take this guilt. Take this shame. I give it to you, Lord. I don't want it anymore. Forgive me. And then you turn to the Lord. And the Lord starts building in your heart. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And the Holy Spirit starts building inside of his temple. Your body could be your temple or it can be the Lord's temple. You choose. Oh, I, I listened to, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, Joe Schmo on the radio. He tells me that you're predestined. I don't have a choice. I got my Joe Schmo study Bible. He tells me that, you know, God saves, but only the elect and he predestines other people to hell. Well, let me tell you something. That's garbage. You choose. You choose. There might be somebody listening right now. Where right now at this very moment is your fork in the road. You can go left or you can go right. You can go left. And you know, live your party lifestyle. Live your life according to your own way. Or. You could fall to your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. And then you walk with him. You walk with the Lord. Verse 28, Paul says, but let a man examine himself. This word for examine is to scrutinize. To see whether a thing is genuine or not. Self-examination. It's a beautiful thing. You examine yourself. Wow. Lord, you know, you pray, you read your word, and it's like, wow, you know, I have my crack. I have my alcohol. I can't get enough. I want more. I have my sexual stuff. I can't get enough. I want more. I beat on my wife. I do all these things. You read the word and you're convicted. Praise the Lord for conviction. Because remember, you read the word and you're confronted. The natural man is confronted. And when you're confronted as the natural man, it's painful. Because the Lord, the Holy Spirit, beckons your heart. And in your heart of hearts, you realize, wow, I'm wrong. That's the fork in the road. 
That's when you can say, yeah, I'm wrong, but I love my crack. I'm wrong, but I'm going to do this anyway. But no, you say, I'm wrong, but Lord, not my will, thy will. You choose who your life is governed by. Is your life governed by yourself? Or is your life governed by God? It's a choice. A choice. That's the beauty of repentance. You know, we could talk about sin all the time. You know, golden calves abound in the last days. Not in every day. Golden calves abounded, you know, when, when uh, the days of Noah. Golden calves are everywhere. You know, and it's so cool because it's like, wow, you know, people are going to be holding on to their sin. Their drugs, their alcohol, their sex, their whatever. And those golden calves can die. Those golden calves can be smashed. Especially when, you know, in the last days when those golden calves can't save. Where's their Goshen? Where's their light? With God's people. And so Paul says, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. That's the condition. It's not just, you know, in the Catholic church, you know, that the priest puts the little chip in your mouth. You know, put waves his hand about you. That's garbage. Garbage. The condition for partaking of the elements is self-examination. Not to examine your neighbor. Not to examine, you know, people in your home. To examine self. The person you see in the mirror. The person you yourself know very intimately. That's the person you examine. And you know where you're found wanting. Repent. Give it to the Lord. You say, Lord, forgive me. And you know when you give these things to the Lord, whatever it is. That's, you know, this process of self-examination. I, I don't like calling it a process. It sounds too formal. It's very holy. In a generation that has lost the concept of holiness. This concept is holy. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. These are, these are heavy words. That's a heavy indictment against a person who doesn't uh, discern the Lord's body or who eats and drinks of the elements in an unworthy manner. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, or many have died. 
You think like, man, you know, I'm, I feel weak. I feel sick. These people are, are, you know, dropping off like flies. They're dying. Weak and sick. And Paul says, you know why? It's because there's no discernment of the Lord's body. It's what happens when we take holy things and turn, in, turn them into run-of-the-mill things. Oh, no big deal. Oh, the word of God. Yeah, no big deal. Oh, yeah, these holy concepts. Yeah, no big deal. How the Holy Spirit works, how the Holy Spirit moves. Oh, that's for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. And Paul writes in verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves. This word judge, it's not very popular this day and age. Not very popular these days. You know, don't judge me. Don't judge me. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Then you start to see and realize this process of self-examination. It's also a safety mechanism. A safety tool. Because in your heart of hearts, you examine yourself. You're found wanting. And you're like, wow, you know, this is sin before the Lord. The Lord doesn't like it. You repent. And all of a sudden, it's atoned for. Like, wow, I, I don't want to be under judgment. I don't want any, any hearer of these words. I don't want to be under judgment. So you know what you do? You judge yourself. He says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But... When we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. This word chastening is to, to be disciplined, trained, educated, instructed, and taught. That's what happens with chastening. When we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. This condemnation on the world, it's coming. It's coming when Jesus Christ comes the second time when he right what we just talked about. When he comes in verse 26, he came the first time as a lamb. A lamb of God. The offering of God. The Passover offering of God. And you have the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your heart. And the plague of God, the wrath of God will pass over you. But when he comes the second time, he's coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's condemnation. And he has a sword coming out of his mouth. You know, it's so beautiful how the Lord works. Because precursory to that event, he tells the ones who have ears, the ones who have eyes, Go and share the good news. Go and make disciples. Condemnation is coming. But Paul says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And that's what happens with communion Sundays. It's examination. Self-examination. So I'm going to say something now. If, if you know, we, normally we would have a time of worship where we do this self-examination. 
But we don't have that. We don't have that luxury right now. <clears throat> but what I do have to say is, you know, you have the elements with you. That, you know, you have these elements. And, and if you have to do a, a time of self-examination, just hit the pause button. Hit the pause button. And I don't care how long it takes. It could take 20 seconds. It could take 20 minutes. It could take two hours. Hit the pause button. And take however long you need, whatever time you need. And you know what? You repent. And if you're right before the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that he has done the work in your heart. He has done the work in your mind. And he's still doing the work. But if you're not right before the Lord, you repent. And when you've repented, you're that's atoned for. You now have a covering. The sin is forgotten. Then you partake of the elements. So go ahead and pause right now. If you have to pause. But if you don't have to pause, let's partake of the elements. So before we start, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take of the bread. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take up the cup. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this promise that you have for your people. For us as your children, Lord, we thank you so much. Now we can partake of these elements. We can partake of the body of your son and drink of his blood. And I don't mean to say that in, you know, how you know, the Catholics take it. But Lord, it's so holy. Even the Pharisees, they thought, you know, does Jesus, is he talking that we should be cannibals? That we should eat his flesh? But no, he was speaking about deep, deep, deep spiritual things, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear and eyes to see these things. Lord, we just love intimacy that we have with you, Lord. Corporately as a church body. And independently, Lord, individually, each and every one of us, Lord, the listeners of this message. And Father, we pray that you strengthen us, Lord, as a church body, separated, Lord. And Lord, in this time of separation, Lord, we pray, I pray, Lord, for your hand of protection on your people, on your sheep, on your flock. 
on your beautiful lambs. That you protect them, Lord. How the enemy is just having a heyday right now. And I pray for your hand of protection on your beautiful people. Protect them, Lord. Guide them in your ways everlasting, Lord, through your word. Comfort them in your loving arms, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we'll meet again one day, Lord, whenever, you know, this whatever lives, Lord, and we can gather, Lord. We can't wait for that day, Lord. But then at the same time, Lord, we ask for your hand of guidance, Lord, your hand of blessing, your hand of healing, your hand of comfort. We love you, Lord. And Father, we pray all these things in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. God bless you.